Welcome back to Bread and Butter, where we serve up the basics the average Hearthstone player needs to improve their game. This week, we have a very special guest, Brandon Cole, also known as Super Blind Man. Brandon, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic, as per usual. Um, it's kind of my normal mode of, mode of operation. Love to hear it. Tito, how about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. I, I I wish my mood was always good, but you know we can't all live on that plane. But um, Brandon, what have you been doing outside of Hearthstone this week? Oh boy, outside of Hearthstone, I have I have been pretty much preparing. Hearthstone has been my relaxation uh, game uh, lately, but I've been preparing for kind of a, an upcoming storm. Um, I'll probably get into this a little bit more later, but uh, things are going very well when it comes to the work that I do. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that more later, but it's, it's been a good week. It's been a good preparation time for me. Wonderful. How about yourself, doc? What have you been doing? Um, been, I watched the master's tour this weekend, got my, got my two packs, um, rooted for, rooted for Casey. Unfortunately, he didn't quite get there in the end. Um, but it was, it was good games. It was Lots of fun to watch. And then I've been playing uh, been playing some BGs and trying to get some quests done for standard so I can get the uh, event done. I watched that as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I was rooting for McBannerface because, you know, hype. But um, I was surprised when Bannerface got taken out. I was genuinely surprised. And that's that's the, the kick of the new system, right? You have all that grinding to get in there and then just there's not even a swiss round to get through you're just you're done um and that's yeah. gonna feel bad after like a three-month window of uh, opportunity there but outside of that and i asked you i only got one pack um i watched way more than four hours of the master's tour or at least i had it on and it stalled out at me at 97 percent on the second pack oh wow so i'm not sure yeah, what happened. i had I had something like that happen to me too, uh, with a Destiny twist drop when the new Destiny expansion came out. So I, I understand your frustration there. But it's okay. Aside from that, I, I had to cut some trees down this weekend, and uh, that's a pain in the butt, especially when you only have a 14 inch chainsaw and, and the trees are a little bigger. We actually hired somebody off Facebook Marketplace to come down with um with one of the trees, and they had a professional, you know, full gigantic chainsaw that made quick work of those trees and it, nice. I, was, I was jealous i was like why didn't we pay him to just you know cut the rest of them up real fast because it literally took them like 20 <laughs> seconds and uh, of yeah. course my chainsaw broke and i had to, i have to get a new chain and and then it rained oh, all no. sunday so i still have trees i have trees that are just mocking me outside saying cut me down finish cut me up but it is what it is but uh brandon how about inside hearthstone you said you've been using it to relax what have you been playing oh yeah it's i've been doing quite a lot i i'm i'm one of those hearthstone players that um, I, I used to be all about trying to get to legend. I tried really, really hard for a while. Um, and then, uh, as I started losing, uh, time in the sense that I, I had less and less time to play, I stopped focusing on rank so much. And I now just play the decks I like, um, and the, the ones that I have fun with and I'm, I'm just playing for fun, but that has honestly helped me maintain my enjoyment. I don't get frustrated at not being, you know, high ranked anymore. It's just, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I played a lot of battlegrounds lately. I'm getting better at battlegrounds. Thanks to, uh, the one, the only Kriparian, um, and his, his very helpful and insightful videos. Um, and trying a lot of decks. I, I'm a big, uh, Mark mix fan. I, I, I love the, uh, I love the, the, the crazy nonsense. That's, that's what attracts me to Hearthstone. And so I've been messing around with a lot of those. <laughs> Very nice. And, and you know that playing decks you like and have fun and being successful, they don't have to be exclusively uh, different. Well, for me, they are. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, here here we uh, I mean, just because like, you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily saying they have to be. You're right. You're completely right. But for me, uh, lately, it's it's the difference between wanting to stick with one deck to win in order to win, like picking the thing that will get me wins versus doing a bunch of things because I want to. Fair enough. How about yourself, Doc? What have you been playing in Hearthstone? Uh, just BGs and trying to do uh, getting Outcast Team and Hunter to work. But uh, that's just not that's not a deck that works with my brain. 
Oh, thank and goodness I'm not the only one. <laughs> unfortunately, the deck that I absolutely love right now is not a deck, which is Big Beast Hunter. Uh, it was really fun, like, the first, like, three days of the expansion. But as the days went on, it just did worse and worse. And it just doesn't have enough to fight against uh, Paladin or Blood DK. Uh, so it just kind of can't get there, unfortunately. You're big beast See, that's the difference between me and you. That's, that's the difference between me and you. I love Big Beast Hunter. I still love it, just because it's fun. Well, I, I love it, too. But I'm trying to get from... I'm trying to increase my star multiplier, because... Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's just... I'm only at, like, a six... And so I lose it very early. And so then my grind from like gold five all the way where I'm now like plat seven or plat eight is all singular stars. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I hear that. Well, I've also been trying lots of decks and I've completely tanked my rank. Um, I came in at 157 and I am in quadruple. I'm in five digits right now. Um, I tried Edelweiss's. Um, Bone, zone, bone Shell Mage, quite a bit. Did not do so well with that. I thought it might be kind of cool to do a YouTube show on a Outcast Tony Demon Hunter, where the plan was <laughs> to get as many uh, ticks on your weapon of Outcast cards, play Tony, swap the decks, swing with the weapon, and then burn their deck. I did not get a really good uh, game on that one, and that cost <laughs> me quite a few ranks. Um, I did. I, I have been trying a, a couple decks um, over the last couple days that have been pretty good. I started playing Donkey's Weapon Miracle Rogue, which, if you look at the deck, there is no weapon. Your weapon is the hero power, but you can get so much good weapon synergy out of the the cards that are in that set right now. It's actually pretty good, and I've had a great time. Yeah, because yeah, you got the, the the key for me has been you have um, air guitarist which adds uh, one durability to your weapon. So you play that, you shadow step, you play that, you shadow step it, and then you play mic drop, you play uh, the harmonic uh, thing that adds plus two to your weapon, you play yep. poison, uh, uh, the normal poison, and you can, like, I've had an 18-4 weapon um, at times, so it is, it's very powerful and it's a lot of fun, but it's also very challenging. Uh, I, I had my THL match this week, and um, my first draft i think i mentioned this last week was Najee boston and great first time i'm playing in the match and i'm playing against someone of that caliber but i took him to five games i lost uh but i was pretty proud of the way i played i didn't feel like i made too many mistakes and i'm looking forward to uh doing that so what you were saying before uh brandon was you don't want to play one deck and i've done a lot of that over the last couple months yeah i've i played uh over 600 games of shadow priest i played a lot of uh Evolve Shaman, I played a lot of Frost, uh, Aggro, uh, Demon Hunter before it was cool. Or uh, Death Knight before it was cool. Um, <laughs> nice. And and that's been good, but now that I'm kind of trying to get a little better in THL, I, I need to branch out. So I'm trying to get into a mindset of not doing the same thing over and over again. And by the way, Doc, our next week topic is going to be uh, around uh, the things we were saying before about... Uh, you what you want you want to play the beast hunter but it's not there it's kind of like we have a very special guest next week uh just about a special super boy man here but um it's about your decks and your play style and how you kind of combine the two and what what you're good at and what you're not good at so i'm very excited about that but um cool. i think i've talked more than enough why don't we um get to know our guest doc <laughs> no homer don't fill up on bread yeah, so, uh, Brandon, um, aside from the obvious, uh, where did the name Super Blind Man come from? Well, uh, it actually, the origin of Super Blind Man is actually a childhood origin. Um, I don't know if either of you are old enough to remember the days of America Online, but I do. And uh, back in those days, when you created an account for the first time, you needed, you needed a username. And... I was probably about, I want to say, probably about seven or eight when I did this. And I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> and I think, I think what it boiled down to was, you know, I'm pretty awesome. I'm kind of super, like Superman. Heck but I'm yeah. blind, though. So, super blind man. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> like it's it's really simple. Like it's not like some great story, but like there you go. I, was, I needed an AOL screen name, and that's what I got. That's fantastic. That's that's actually pretty great and pretty dang wholesome. Yeah. Now, uh, if I could just ask you a quick question before we move on, uh, have you been blind your whole life, or is this something that came on? Um, so our so our listeners kind of get a good basis of where yeah, yeah. starting. So technically, no. Technically, I could see for two months of my life. I was born with a type of cancer called retinoblastoma. It's an inherited cancer. And uh, it is literally a cancer of the retina, essentially. Um, so the first thing to go is the eyes, because that's where it attacks first. Um, and for the first two months, my eyes were functional. My mother tells me that I saw her. She says that I focused on her once. But the problem is, you have no long-term memory until you're about two. So I have no actual memory of sight. Um, but apparently I could see for two months. <laughs> well, that's crazy. But um, yeah, Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Yeah, no problem. So uh, what do you do when you don't play Hearthstone? Ah, now we're getting to it. <laughs> <laughs> so believe it or not, um, if, if I wasn't cool enough for being a blind person that plays Hearthstone, uh, I also work in the video game industry. Um, I work as a professional accessibility consultant, uh, making games fully accessible to the totally blind. Um, the, the thing that I'm currently primarily known for is my work on The Last of Us 2 and Part 1 subsequently as well. Um, but I've done other things too, and there's uh, big things coming from, from that sector. I wish awesome. I would have known that before. I would have probably structured the questions in the main topic a little differently. <laughs> I thought you did know that before. No, no. I just kind of interesting. That was an interesting topic. I figured that you would have a lot of insight. Apparently, I was right. I yeah, know. I have a lot of insight. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe I'm psychic. I don't know. We just learned something. So how did you get into gaming in general? And uh, what about Hearthstone drew you in? Okay, I can answer both those questions very easily. So gaming in general, I got into gaming because of a practical joke. I'm not even kidding. That's 100% true. When I was a very young child, my brother decided that he would play a wonderful joke on me. He asked me one day if I wanted to play Super Mario Brothers with him. Uh, and even my six-year-old self was like, that doesn't make any sense. It's a video game. I can't play a video game. You have to see to play those, you know. Uh, but he persisted, and I don't actually remember how he convinced me, but he did convince me. So we went into the room where our Nintendo was located. He hands me a controller, fires up the game, and says, okay, go. And before you know it, I'm breaking bricks, collecting coins, defeating enemies, saving princesses. It's amazing. Somehow, I beat the entire game. Except then he revealed the punchline, which was that he handed me an unplugged controller <laughs> while he played the entire game. He played the entire game. While I thought I was playing it well. So when I found that out, little little Brandon was crushed, uh, you know, absolutely destroyed. I thought I'd done something really cool. I was celebrating internally and then I was, you know, just utterly destroyed by the fact that I hadn't done anything at all. Um, but at the same time, I made a vow that I would one day beat one game. And that's that's all the vow was, was one game. I would beat one game without his help. And uh, so I started trying games and started messing around with games and I started figuring out that games have patterns and games, you know, the, the audio of games means something. And then I could I could figure out what each sound meant and how to interpret that and how to how to make use of it to play the game. And eventually I did beat a game on my own without his help. And the first game I ever beat by myself was the original Killer Instinct for Super Nintendo. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, it was the first one I ever beat by myself. And uh, I immediately ran out and told my mother for some reason, even though she has 100 percent no interest in games. Zero interest at all. Uh, and also, I'd already beaten the game, so the ending was over and the credits were rolling. So she came in and saw the credits screen and was like, cool, great. <laughs> Did not get it at all. Did not understand my tremendous accomplishment at all. But uh, but I never looked back after that. Um, I just kept on trying things and kept on experimenting and, and figuring things out. And, um, you know, now I work in, in games. <laughs> so, like... I mean, there's a lot more story there. There's a lot more intermediate stuff that happened there, but still, it's it's uh, it's been a really really cool uh, journey for me. You never um, looked as back for Hearthstone. Well, yes and no, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> I mean, everything with me is a pun. 
Uh, all puns are intended. Just just take that just for granted. All puns are intended. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as for Hearthstone, the interesting thing about Hearthstone is that I was drawn to it before I could play it. Um, for those who don't know, the blind have only been able to play Hearthstone for the past two years. Um, just just barely over two years. Well, actually, yeah, just a little, little more than two years now. Um, and before that, uh, way, way before it, even uh, close to the initial launch of Hearthstone, I was always drawn to it because of its audio design. The thing about Hearthstone's audio is it's very informative. The fact that every single minion makes its own sounds, you know, immediately drew me to the game. It, 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 uh, it made me want to listen to others play it before I could play it because I could still follow the matches once I learned what each minion sounded like. And even sometimes what each spell sounded like. Some spells are unique too. So, you know, it's it's it immediately drew me for that. And then, uh, you know, I, I kind of held on to it. For me, it was like a like just an ongoing passion, an ongoing desire to play a thing I couldn't play. And then the day that I could finally play it, uh, I just dove headfirst in, and I just I I never I've never stopped. I've played almost every day since. I've missed some days, but I played almost every day. That's that's really cool. Um, so what's your favorite class and what is your favorite deck of all time? Favorite class is really difficult because there's a lot of classes I like. Um, I will say right now, just in terms of the fun I have with it, I think my favorite class is probably Death Knight currently. Um, but favorite deck, though, I, I kind of I go a little bit nostalgic for uh, for this because it might not be a deck that I'm currently playing, but it's a deck that catapulted me forward in my understanding of Hearthstone and catapulted me forward in my my uh, you know my my journey of Hearthstone and diving into Hearthstone. Uh, the first deck that I played in Wild um, really really got to me, and it was a Galakrond Shaman, uh, ah. and I just loved it. I mean, it was an, it was one of the older uh, Galakrond Shamans. It wasn't newer ones with all the uh with all well i mean there's 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 a couple uh galakron traumas that have come out in the past year or so but it, it wasn't that one it was it was older than that um it was just just when the freeze uh the snowfall guardian tech was was being a thing you know with with the galakron shaman um but yeah that that was uh that was my that was my favorite deck for a long time and that that one that was the one that kicked me into wild and got me started on that journey uh, which I've really enjoyed as well. I I do enjoy a wild game now and again. Now, are there any decks you can't play, given, like, I know there's, we'll talk about, like, the software and stuff later, but can, yeah. like, is it hard to do something like, say, a Miracle Rogue, where there's yes. a lot of APM and... Yeah, that any any deck that works like that, I mean, it's I, I won't say it's impossible, but it's significantly more difficult, because as it is, we already have to listen to everything that happens to... You know, get an idea of what's you know we're hearing these things, and they're 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 updating as quickly as they can, but still, you know, you play a card, you have to hear the name of the card, then you can play the next one, and so on and so forth. So that that takes time. So it's it's remarkably difficult to play that kind of deck uh, as a blind person. It, I'm, I'm I just I don't want to say impossible because I'm one of those people that uh, that thinks that someone out there probably will do it. <laughs> it might not be me, but someone will do it. <laughs> You'd almost need to have like shorthand, especially when you're doing a lot of quick actions and and discovers and stuff that you're trying to go through really quickly. You probably need. Slides. Yeah, it, it's it's really the the discovers that are the trouble because like you can know your hand. Like we do have some shortcut keys, and we'll talk about this probably more as as we talk about the software. We do have some shortcut keys to get to different places on the on the screen uh, quickly. So if you know your hand, you you do have a little bit of a head start. But the discovers give you all sorts of problems because you have no choice but to read each one of them individually. You know, like as, as a sighted person can, you know, look at a screen and see all of them at once and then make the decision. We have to listen to one, then the next one, then the next one to figure out what's in the discover in the first place. So yeah, it makes things difficult. So you also make some content. Uh, what kind of content do you make? I make all sorts of content. Uh, my content serves a dual purpose. Um, I try to entertain, of course. I, I think I at least have enough chops to entertain it somewhat, and I, I've been told that that's true. Uh, so I'll, I'll take their word for it. Uh, I do try to entertain, but I also uh, make content for 
a secondary purpose, which is to feed into the other work that I do. Since I work in the game industry, uh, part of my job as I see it is to advocate for accessibility where I can and educate regarding accessibility where I can as well. So I make content to try to bring people into the idea of accessibility, try to introduce people to that idea. Um, every time a new person comes into a stream of mine or you know, comments on one of my videos, if they have a question about how I did something or how I do something or how something works, I will stop playing and answer that question or I will respond to their comment on the video and answer that question because that's I see that as part of what I do. Um, and because uh, because I work in the game industry, part of my audience is now also game developers. So I now have sometimes occasionally game developers will wander into my chats as well, my streams as well. And I will I will play something for them to show them, uh, you know, this is this is how this game is accessible. This is how I play this game. Think about ideas like this for your projects and maybe we can get something started. You know, it's it's sort of like all a, a giant ploy to hire me. No, no I, <laughs> I mostly kid. But like but in any case, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's that's that's the purpose I serve. And, and now, of course, uh, I now am in the Hearthstone creator program, which is a real honor for me because I really just love the game. Uh, so now. Thank you. And now I will stream, of course, uh, to serve that as well where I can. Um, although I will absolutely, you know, I, I completely understand that I'm not in the Hearthstone Creator Program because of my streaming numbers. I get that. It's, I, I know I don't have great streaming numbers, and that's not why I'm there. Um, I am there because the, the, the wonderful folks who run it um, respect what I've done for the Hearthstone community, for the blind Hearthstone community. And uh, my, you know, I, I, I don't think it hurts that uh, I work in the game industry. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't think it hurts that I have, I have accessibility ties, you know. And that's no. that's fine. Like it's it's perfectly fine. I'm I'm still honored to be there, and it's a, it's a great experience. Absolutely, and I'll, I'll tell you, we're not in the content creator program for our numbers either. So, <laughs> sure, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's not all about numbers, which 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 I love about it. By the way, I think that's great. Yeah, I was making the joke because we are not quite in the content content creator program quite yet. Um, <laughs> hey, Don. Yeah, we haven't we haven't even felt comfortable to apply. Ah, uh, okay, okay, but. I, I'm one of those uh, you take your shot people. I didn't always, I wasn't always that person, but now I am. Oh, Doc, when I don't, uh, when I don't think you realize this, but I did apply like for me, but including the bread oh. and butter. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I didn't know that. Dang, it's all it all gets revealed on this show. It's amazing. <laughs> you heard it here all first. Right. Uh, so you had a card reveal for this set. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us about what kind of an experience that was for you? It was fantastic. Number one, because I never really thought that, that would happen for me. I was I was always kind of hopeful that it would. I had ideas. I always had ideas. Of course, I'm I'm an idea person. Ideas are what I do. But uh, I never I never really thought it would happen. And when I was approached uh, to to do it, um, I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, this is absolutely happening. We're 100 percent doing this. Um, and it was a wonderful experience because I got to give people a taste of Hearthstone cards as I hear them, as I understand them. You know, it's it's stats first. Uh, it wasn't about the visuals for my card reveal. Yes, I included the visuals because I'm not heartless. And I know that side of people will, were going to watch it. You know, like I get that. But uh, I did it in such a way where the stats, the the text of the card came first. And then you saw the visuals. And I think that uh, I think that was really a unique approach. Number one, because, of course, it was I was the first blind person to have a card reveal. Number two, it, it also opened some eyes. I actually did get messages after that card reveal that said that uh, there were there were some accounts, Hearthstone-related accounts, that are now going to work harder on providing uh, text descriptions for any images that they post because of the effect my card reveal had on them. So That's amazing. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool that you affected them in a way that it, dis it changed how they want to do part of their... Uh, business. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really cool. It's it's always an honor to hear something like that. So uh, this one's a like a two parter. So the first part is what is your game mode of choice? And as you uh, and you kind of answered this one already, but are you a casual player or are you a tryhard? Oh, yeah. OK, so game mode of choice, probably wild. Um, I do. I mean, I, I play standard, but I just I love all the things that you can do in wild, except for right now when Twig's fear has broken everything, but <laughs> I do love wild for what it is. Um, I think that's, that's probably the answer to that question is as far as, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm more of a casual, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I kind of, I was, I was going for ranked. I, I never got to legend. I got close, 
I got close one time, but uh, I never got there. And I don't think I'm going to get there. Not not that's not like me being pessimistic. It's just because the way that I play and the amount of time that I play, which is not as much as other people do, because I have a lot of work to do. Um, I'm busy a lot. Um, so, you know, it, it's I've lost a lot of time to to that. But um, so, you know, it's 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 fine. I have fun with it. I enjoy it. I love being casual. I still play the game all the time. And I'll keep trying new things and, and having fun. So when when you play, do you make your own decks or do you find refined ones? Oh, I 100 percent find refined decks. <laughs> I uh, I will make no claims to being a deck builder. Um, I will make no claims at all. Uh, I, I, I have built decks before. I have I have dabbled. I have attempted. But um, I find that other people understand uh, these things more than me. So I listen to those people. <laughs> Very fair. That's exactly what I do, too. Sure, sure. Um, so this one's kind of a curveball, but what would be something that people would be surprised to learn about you? Well, I might have already surprised people by telling them I work in the game industry. <laughs> but um, aside from that, uh, let's go with the fact that my one of my favorite desserts of all time is good old fashioned homemade banana bread. Ooh. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, you right. That's sometimes there's a good one to be that. your favorite. Yeah, that's good. Good answer. Thank you. So doc, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get hungry on that topic. Maybe it's time to get into <laughs> a little bit of main course. <laughs> Sounds good to me, my guy. Broccoli. Broccoli, it's time to eat your broccoli. All right, so today our main topic uh, is going to be accessibility in gaming, and I think we have the perfect guest for that. Um, so yeah, you didn't even know it. I didn't even know <laughs> it. Well, wait, I knew we would have a good opportunity to talk about accessibility, but not not from the angle that we're about to talk it from. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, really excited. Yeah. So what sort of games are you able to play, and are there games that are just not viable? Uh, let's start there. The first answer is uh, it it really depends. There's there's a lot of games that I can play, but the ratio of games that I can play versus the games that I can't play is staggering. Um, you know, the, the our options are much more limited than yours as as sighted gamers um, as far as games I can play. You know, I you know, I can play, of course, the games I worked on. I can play Last of Us 2. I can play Last of Part 1 because I worked on those and I made them accessible to the blind uh, people all over the world. And so I can play those. Um, I can play, you know, there's, there's, there's audio games that are made exclusively for the blind that I can play. Um, we're pretty good at fighting games. Uh, fighting games are the most, uh, accessible out of the box genre that exists, um, because of just generally how fighting games typically work. Uh, you're always on a 2d plane in most fighting games. So you're always right across from your opponent. There's never any question of where your opponent is. Uh, they're always right across from you that you might be on the other side, but you can figure that out based using the stereo audio and things like that. So Fighting games usually accessible to us, so that's that's kind of a popular genre with us. Um, I do play some visual novels sometimes, just because we can use tools to read the screens. And some visual novels actually have uh, accessibility support with self voicing. So, it, you know, some people think visual novels are a boring genre, but I do like the occasional visual novel. Um, yeah, uh, I've 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 dabbled in pretty much everything, um, with the exception of things like platformers and things those those are currently the probably the one of the most difficult genres to get into uh but i i will never say that that something isn't viable the thing is i i am i am a career optimist i believe that with enough enough time enough effort enough developer support and of course the hiring of people like me doesn't have to be me just people like me it can be me um <laughs> we can make anything accessible i believe that um it, it will take time it'll take work and yes it might cost some money but we can do it uh, so I, I will never say nothing that something isn't viable. I, I have ideas for just about everything you can think of. So I think that right now our guests are probably our, our our listeners are probably asking themselves, how do you play Last of Us without being able to see anything? So can you oh, take us good. through that experiment? <laughs> that means I get to tell you what I did to work on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so it's, it's a little tangential from the rest of our top, but I mean, I think sure, it's right on, sure. right exactly what we're here for. Sure. Uh, so The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2. Um, the Last of Us 2 actually came first for me because um, 
the last of us part one is specifically the playstation 5 remake so the last of us 2 came first for me um and the way that we play it is through a series of features it's kind of a whole suite of features it's not one feature that makes it work it's a set of features that make it work so the primary one is navigational assist which will help us get from point a to point b it'll help us find our objectives essentially so we can press a button and when we do that the camera will orient towards our next objective and uh, th thus turn the character that way since the character movement follows the camera. Um, and it, it does so, it, it does pathfinding in a smart way. So what it does is it casts a little ray out until it finds something that, that's an obstacle and then that's where it stops. And then you you move forward until you reach the end of that and then you you press the pathfinding button again to move uh, to move to the next, the next one and on and on and on until you get to your objective. But it's also smart. It also takes into account things you have to climb, jump over, all that stuff. It's it's not just a, a simple system. It's a smart system. And we also get audio cues that will give us uh, cues for when to jump, when to crouch, when to crawl, when, you know, all those things to get through the environment. Um, we can also locate items. We have a little bit of a scan system. We call it enhanced listen mode. Um, items can be scanned for as well as enemies. And once we scan for one of those things, we can pathfind to that item or enemy uh, as well. So we can we can uh, locate all the loot we want. We can move closer to our enemies if we want to take them out, you know, things of that nature. Um, we have something called traversal assistance, which is one of my favorite features because it is it silently helps you out in the background in, in little tiny ways that, that some blind players might not know are happening. But I know because I helped work on it. Um, for instance, things that require a lot of precision, like uh, in Last of Us 2, there's a lot of jumping through windows. And that actually requires a significant amount of precision. I know because I tried it without this feature and it was actually difficult for me. Um, like uh, you, you basically have to be facing the window directly to jump through it. Well, traversal assistance, among other things, this is not the only thing it does, but just a quick example. Traversal assistance will give you the jump cue that says, hey, you're supposed to jump here. And then when you do that, once you've, once you've accepted that that's what's going to happen, it actually kind of grabs control of your character very briefly, turns them so they're very you know, perfectly facing the window to jump through and then does the jump. So it's just little tiny little assists that kind of nudge you uh, and help you out with traversal uh, just to make things a little bit better for you. Um, combat does, of course, use aim assist. We we, we definitely need that, <laughs> especially with, with uh, the high intensity combat of The Last of Us. Um, and uh, everything also is narrated. So everything everything that you can find, every text thing you can find, like every sign, every road sign, every note you find on the ground, Every training manual, every comic book, every single thing is narrated by text-to-speech, uh, so we can appreciate those things, too. All menus are narrated. Workbench menu, narrated. Crafting menu, narrated. Everything is narrated. Uh, so every everything that a sighted person has access to, we also have that access as well. Um, and that's one of my most important things, is that when a when you when you put narration in a game, you have to do it all the way. You, have to, you can't go halfway. I, I made sure that photo mode was narrated. I personally never use it, but it's narrated because I acknowledge that uh, the blind, the totally blind, are not the only people that use these features. Someone that has low vision that just wants to rest their eyes may want to use the narration feature, but maybe they want to take a photo. And this way they can, because photo mode is also narrated. So um, <laughs> even this, even this only scratches the surface of all. There's there's 60 plus accessibility features in Last of Us Part 2. Over 60 accessibility features. Not all of them wow. for the blind, but I feel like even now I'm only scratching the surface. There's so much more I could say. I could talk about this for hours because I worked on it. <laughs> so I have I have a question about uh, the scanning of weapons and enemies. Yes. Does it read out what weapon and what type of enemy is in front of you? It does not. What it does is it does uh, a ping sound. So it uses a lot of this is using audio cues. So if you are scanning enemies and you hear one sound, it means that it's a human enemy. It does. It, it's very nonspecific, but kind of on purpose. Because we didn't want it to be too specific, because that would that would actually technically be unfair. Believe it or not, uh, as much as you, as much as the sighted people who listen to this might think that all these features make the game sound too easy, all of this is just to bring it in line. You have to you have to think of this from the perspective of if these didn't exist, we couldn't play at all. So all of this, all these features, is just to bring it in line with what a sighted person might experience and allow us to enjoy the story. But to that end, the reason I bring that up is because when I set out to work on a game, I do not. I do not intend, my, my intention is never to make an easy mode. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to make a, a mode that brings us closer to parity with the sighted experience. So I, I, going back to your question, 
the the enemy scans, for instance, are kind of non-specific. They don't tell you what enemy is in front of you, but they will tell you if, based on which sound you hear, if the enemy is human or infected. That's all the enemy scan will tell you. But okay. it will tell you. It'll give you a positional uh, sound that, that indicates where they are. Uh, with items, item scans will tell you if uh, an item is a any other item or a collectible item. <laughs> a collectible item does have its own sound, indicate that it is a collectible. So you might want to pursue it if you want if you're going for collectibles. That's why that sound is there. Um, otherwise, both scans will also tell you based on the pitch of the sound if it is on the same uh, vertical level as you, or above you, or below you. Uh, and that is that is essentially all they, they they do. They tell you the position. They'll give you the position in the the 3D audio field, so you can hear it all around you. You can hear the the exact position of a thing, um, and you can hear whether it's above or below you, or and and just kind of vaguely what type of thing it is, but not not specifically. All right. Thank so you. So a new game is announced. It piques your interest. What sorts of things do you look for to see if it's going to be accessible to you? Uh, well, here's the sad thing about being a blind gamer. When a new game is announced, and this this is this is still true. Uh, we're, we're getting better about this, but this is still true. When a new game is announced, the typical assumption from most blind gamers, and even even me sometimes, unless I unless I already knew about it and I'm working on it, haha. Um, but uh, typically the assumption is that it's not going to be accessible. And that, I, I, that is incredibly sad. But the, the general assumption is that a new game that gets announced isn't going to be accessible because most aren't. So that's just the reality we live in. Um, we're, you know, developers, more developers are paying attention to accessibility all the time. The conversation about accessibility is growing every single year. So that is starting to change. But right now, unless there are specific developers, like... For instance, if Naughty Dog announced the new game, the assumption would be that it would be accessible because of their track record. But um, with the, with a very few exceptions, most most of the time the assumption is it probably won't be accessible. And then we just kind of we kind of distantly hope, like maybe just maybe we'll figure out a way to work around it. Maybe it'll be accessible. Maybe it'll have a few features we can use. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of sad. Uh, the things that I would look for, though, in a game that was accessible, I would I would see if it had, you know, first step, step one, does it have any kind of menu narration? Will I be able to navigate the menus without assistance? If it has that, then at least there's hope. <laughs> but uh, it some some games need more than that, though. Some games need some games don't, but some games need more. Well, so you were saying that Naughty Dog, they are obviously you have some interest there. Um, but they sure. they probably already have a lot of tools in place that they can port from game to game and a lot of experience with that. Um, it, yeah. It's probably a big issue of cost versus profit um, with these games is in order to invest into uh, the amount of effort and time it would take in order to uh, add accessibility to these games is going to probably significantly cut into profit would, would you say that's fair and if so how would, how do you think they can navigate around that well believe it or not um that that idea that accessibility means you make less money uh has essentially been proven false multiple times um the last of us 2 is the most awarded game of all time made a ton of money definitely profited and had an entire suite of 60 plus accessibility features. Accessibility does not mean that you lose money. Now, you're right that developers will often use that as their argument against accessibility. Uh, those who are worried about it, those who are nervous about it, and, and think that it will cut into their costs. But we have raw data for them. <laughs> we have numbers for them to prove it. Um, there are many, many people. A lot of the population has some kind of disability. And not only that, we have now, especially these days, we have concrete examples of accessibility features that people that don't think they're disabled use. Um, I can't tell you how crazy it was for me to hear stories after The Last of Us 2 came out. I heard stories from people who were fully sighted that used features that I helped design. Uh, for instance, I heard a story from one person who told me that they got stressed out during the game's running sequences so they turned on navigational assist because if with if with that feature on, they didn't have to worry anymore about where they had to go. They just had to get there. And navigational assist would help them do that and they wouldn't stress out as much. And that's simple as that. You know, it doesn't you know, any 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 feature that you might use in a video game, anything you might adjust, anything you might turn on or turn off, 
to make your playing experience better is technically an accessibility feature because it's it's removing a barrier for you. And that's what accessibility does. So accessibility is quite honestly always the right answer. <laughs> Accessible design is good design. It is it is the way to go. Uh, you just you never know. You make a feature for one group of people and many might use it. You know, there, there have been studies that prove that accessibility features are, are widely used, whether people realize it or not. Subtitles are an accessibility feature, folks. Just so you know. Nice. Um, so let's bring it back to Hearthstone a bit. So Hearthstone is not a game designed for sightless playing, but the community has someone in the community or a group of people in the community made software that allowed you guys to uh, access the game. And then um, I think it was before um, Lich King that they announced that they were no longer going to be able to support that. Yes, then, yes, it was just before Lich King, yep. And just before Lich King, but then um, a couple things happened, and, and Blizzard also said that they're going to be picking up the work on that at some point, and it also, I did they, so what, what happened with all that, and um, what are these tools that help you play this game? So essentially, the tool that helps us play Hearthstone is called Hearthstone Access. It's, it's, it's a mod for the game that adds a few things to make it accessible. It adds uh, keyboard commands to access the entirety of the, of the game. And it also adds support for screen readers. So the things that we use already on our computers to read the screen uh, can now read Hearthstone because of this mod. They could not read anything in Hearthstone before that. Um, and I want to stress how much of a big operation that is. Uh, it wasn't just like, oh, we put in a line of code that says support screen readers now. No, every single text output that the game creates had to be manually coded for screen reader support. And that is continuously true as we keep trying to add new modes to the uh, to the game. I mean, to our access of the game, because we don't have access to everything, believe it or not. Um, just some, mo most things, but not everything. Um, so what happened there was the initial project was started by a guy who goes by the name Guide Dev. Um, that's that's kind of his development name, and he he never he's very he's very private. He doesn't talk about what his what his actual name is. He always he was just always Guide Dev to us. And he started this project a couple of years ago and he did it by himself. And that, that is, that is kind of where this is headed. Uh, he did it by himself for a very long time for, you know, like I said, a couple of years and he has a family and he has a job, but he was taking out of, out of that, out of his free time, hours and hours and hours to code this thing for us. Um, especially once it blew up and got popular when he initially made it, he had no idea the effect that it would have. He had no idea that it would blow up to the extent that it did. Um, but he wanted to support it, so he did. And uh, he took a lot of time to do that. And we're talking like 10-hour coding sessions, according to him, uh, to make this work. Uh, and finally, he decided that he it just was it was just too much. And I do not blame him at all. I do not blame him at all. He has a family. Uh, I fully support that. You know, you got to take care of your people. So... He decided it was too much and he would have to, he was going to sunset it and that was going to be the end of it. And so when that happened, uh, all of us blind players who loved Hearthstone and loved playing it all every day, kind of panicked a little bit. Uh, we didn't want to lose the game that we had fallen in love with. Uh, for me, I'd been in love with it for a long time, but uh, we didn't want to lose it because we had, had access to it and we just didn't want it to go away. And it would go away in the next patch because every patch, the mod has to be updated again. Every single major patch. Um, so it would go away. On the day the Lich King patch came out, it was going to disappear. Uh, so we created petitions, uh, and we were very, very lucky, and we did we did the work. We put in the work. I shared it probably, I don't know, dozens of times. Uh, and we got a lot of signatures. We got thousands of signatures on these things uh, to convince Blizzard to make the game accessible natively. And they have agreed. We did win that fight. Um, they The team that there, there was a small team that was working on features that were just meant to complement Hearthstone access, you know? So they, they did embrace us from the beginning, by the way, like that, that's one thing that I will say about Blizzard. Blizzard has been great to us. Blizzard has, has Blizzard saw this mod and, you know, typically they don't want people to mod Hearthstone just to throw that out there. Typically that, yeah. that that's a no, no, but they saw this mod and they're like, Oh, this is great. This gives people access to the thing that we have and we want them to have access to it. And they, they wholeheartedly embraced us. And that's that's one of the most wonderful things about this story. But they so they so they dedicated some people to work on features that at first they were just they were just going to complement Hearthstone access. Like, OK, how can we make 
development of Hearthstone access easier for the people that develop it. That was their initial idea. But now that team has kind of been reassigned to the idea of uh, creating, working on slowly but surely, uh, working on native Hearthstone access. So we don't need uh, the, the mod anymore. It just it becomes part of the game. And I, I can't wait for that day. That's going to be a fantastic day. But for now, um, the, the original developer of Hearthstone Access, Guide Dev, has given the community his development tools that he created to work on the game. And so now they are able to work on it and modify it. And we have, we're very, very, very lucky. Again, there's a lot of luck involved in this story. We're very lucky to have found, and the petitions helped with this, by the way, um, a collection of people that code, people that know enough about uh, actual code, because you have to get into the code of Hearthstone to make this mod work. Um, and we're lucky enough to find enough of them that it is now a community effort. Multiple people are working on this mod now and adding content to it and making sure it works with every patch. And uh, it's it's a glorious thing to see. That's beautiful. Um, and it, know, is. it was a big story for a while. And that's kind of where I got you on my radar up until your card reveal uh, when, when that all came in. Um, but that's fantastic. I'm, I'm hoping that it's not quote unquote soon as... Um, you know, typically is with Blizzard, and, and that they they really put a effort in to get this in there, so that way you guys don't have to maintain it outside of the code. Um, and well, and, I I am a career optimist, but I do I do know enough people at Blizzard that I I don't think that they're they're messing with this. I I think I think it will take time, because from what I understand, they, it's not as simple as just oh well, there's this mod, let's just take it and integrate it into our thing. Apparently, you can't really do that as a big giant company. Um, you have to basically rewrite from from the from the beginning. You have to basically do it from scratch. Uh, so that's that's a lot of it. And I think I think it'll take a lot of time, but I think eventually it will happen. Nice. So let's shift topics slightly. Um, right now, AI is a hot topic. Everybody has a lot of strong opinions about it. It's become really popular with you know the yeah. the art stuff, the Chat GPT, Chat GPT. Um, what has the rise of AI recently done for the accessibility in gaming, and and how does that fit in? Do you feel it as a positive or a negative here? In terms of gaming, right now the rise of AI hasn't done much for accessibility. Not in terms of gaming, but it has done something for accessibility as a whole. Um, what is starting to come out now is AI-generated descriptions of images online. And that is proving to be a very worthwhile use of AI, and that that is something that I look forward to uh, there's a couple of apps that are working on uh, support for that. Um, and I, I really think that's going to be great. Uh, one of the most frustrating things, and of course, I, I still encourage all of you listeners out there, when you post an image on a social media or something, add an alt tag, you know, support the blind community by giving us a description of what you what you posted. But for those that don't, <laughs> for those that don't do that, we will uh, probably sooner than later have a way to get AI to look at that image, figure out what, everything that's in it, and then describe it to us. And the examples that I've seen of this working uh, are pretty cool. Pretty cool. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I guess another effect that AI has had on gaming is that there is a uh, there is a mod now for World of Warcraft Classic that uh, gives all the NPCs that don't have voice lines AI-generated voice lines. <laughs> So that's fun. That's pretty that's, cool. It's just, that's just fun though. It's not necessary. It doesn't, you know, I can, uh, there's a whole, this is a whole different story and I won't get into this, but WoW Classic is also blind playable because of a mod. Um, <laughs> there is a completely separate thing that allows us to play World of Warcraft. Um, so those AI voices are not necessary, but they sure are cool. <laughs> no, that, that's fantastic. Um, so do you see any other positive or positive uses of AI in um, accessibility, especially given that you do this for a, a job that I didn't know when I asked these questions. Um, where, where do you see some places where <laughs> you could possibly that. pull this in? Uh, I think, I think there are uses, but I, I, I hesitate to, well, okay. I think one, one possible way you could use, use AI is to generate uh, voice samples. I go back to AI voices, AI generated voices. Um, you can generate things for narration to make narration easier. If you can't, if you can't implement a narration engine on your own in, in your game, you could use AI sampled voices to generate those narration uh, strings. Um, and that that could be one possible use. But I also hesitate to to stray too much into the 
AI voice samples for gaming territory because problem is I deeply respect voice actors and uh, I really truly believe that voice actors, uh, you know, do not deserve to be out of a job because of AI voices doing their work for them. Um, so I don't want to go too far into that territory, which makes me not really have a great answer to that question because I, I think the way it's working right now in terms of uh, making accessibility happen in a game, especially blind accessibility, which is so complex as it is, uh, I think it is working fine and we don't necessarily need AI for that. Um, the image description thing I already mentioned is probably the best current use of AI that I'm aware of. Oh, fantastic. And it's, it's a very dicey situation. Everyone has all their opinions and, and there's a lot of positives that come from AI, but also like, like you were saying, like, yeah. like you don't want AI, you don't want artists to not have the, the work. You don't want AI stealing AI's artist work. You don't want to right. have, so, so it's, it's, it's a very fine line, like, but it's really interesting. Uh, and the thing is, and the, and the thing is, I love the tech. Like I will absolutely. So one of my pastimes of late is because I'm, I'm one of those people that is just, I'm fascinated by cool technology. So I will go into GPT-4 and I will make it write little funny stories for me because that impresses me. Like, that's, I'll do that. And then I will take those funny little stories that it writes for me and I'll run them through Eleven Labs, which is the best uh, voice generation uh, of all time, in my opinion. It's, it creates the most human sounding voices I've ever heard that are not actually people, which is insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, anyway, but I love the tech. So I, I mess with the tech, but I don't use it for any kind of nefarious purpose. I just, I just, I have fun with it and then I let it go. Yeah. I think that's what most of us have been doing is having a little fun with it. Like you can tell the AI to, uh, think that they're Adam Sandler and then explain the theory of relativity. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to try that now. Thanks. <laughs> so, so to, to wrap this up, uh, what would you ask of our listeners and, and just gamers in general, to make the gaming space more welcoming to folks that can't see or have other disabilities? Yeah, this is a question I actually thought a lot about, um, and I do have an answer for it, and I hope that it rings true with some people. So here we go. Uh, to the listeners out there, what I, what I ask you to do is keep an open mind when it comes to accessibility. Uh, acknowledge that not everyone is going to play a game the same way that you play it, but accept the fact that that is okay. Except the fact that even the people that don't play a game the same way as you are also gamers, because we are. Uh, we have the same desires to play games as you do. Uh, it's why we are so loyal when a game is finally made accessible to us. We, we, give that, we tend to give a developer that makes their game accessible undying loyalty because they did a thing that not every developer will do. It might work a little differently. It might function a little differently. But ultimately, all these features just, just exist to bring it in line. Remember what I said before, about the parody thing, about if these features weren't there, we wouldn't play the game at all. And some of you might be thinking, well, then games aren't for blind people then. And believe me, I've heard that before. You should accept that games aren't for you and move on and find something else. That doesn't make any sense. Games are and always have been for everyone. They are experiences that, that provide you escapism. They provide you a way to, into another world. They provide you a way into another character for a while. And that should be true no matter who you are and what disability you have. Um, so, you know, stay open-minded and just think about this too. I, I brought this up a little bit before I touched on this before, but every feature, I'm going to say this again, every feature that you use, every time you modify feature, any feature, and you think, you know, when you, when you do it, you're like, eh, I don't like this, or this will make my, you know, experience easier. That's accessibility. Breaking down a barrier for yourself, making something that is easier, you know, not, not necessarily easy, maybe easier is not the right word, but makes more sense for you. It's your playstyle better. Anytime you modify a feature like that, if you turn down the volume of music so you can hear sound effects better, if you turn subtitles on, if you turn off motion blur, which a lot of people I know do, that's accessibility right there. You're doing an accessibility thing. Maybe the blind turn on more features than you. Maybe the blind turn on different features than you. But we're all gamers. And uh, we're all just we all just want to play. No, that's fair, and and I can't imagine. I, I don't want to understand why people would think that way. That because like I I, oh, I just recently dove into Hades, and I discovered that oh, game. I love Hades, and that's a beautiful game. And I, I I I my mind thinking about this today is like, how would Super Blind Man play Hades? And I have played Hades, and I've beaten Hades too. 
So heck yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's such a wonderful game because it continually tells you the story and, and, and yeah, it's so yeah. such a rich environment. I'm glad I'm glad you were able to experience that. And like who wouldn't yeah. want I want everyone to experience that game. Doc, you yep, played I've Hades, I've right? even uh, I've seen the true ending of Hades as well. I went oh, all the way with it. I still need to get there. Doc. Do it. Do it now. Right now. Do it now. <laughs> All right. Uh, but anyway, Doc, I think I'm getting full. I think it's time for a little dessert. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. The time has come for this cookie. Bye-bye. So, listeners... Uh, if you like the show, or even if you have criticisms, please leave a review. Let us know. Let us know how we're doing because it helps us make the show better overall. Um, and it just lets us, it gives us some validity for what we're doing here every week. Um, by no means am I strong arming any of you to leaving us a review, but reviews are appreciated when they do come in. Uh, Brandon. Where can people find you on social media? The really cool thing is I'm very easy to find. Uh, I am super blind man almost everywhere. I'm super blind man on Twitter, on YouTube, on Twitch. Basically everywhere you might look, you'll find me a super blind man everywhere. I did not see that coming. No, good, <laughs> good, because I didn't either. Huh? <laughs> How about yourself, Doc? Uh, yeah, uh, everyone can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Doc McButt. And, and can, how about yourself, Tito? And you can find me at Tito Santana HS on both Twitter and Twitch. Uh, Super Blind Man, would you like to shout out anybody this week? Oh, wow. Uh, would I like to shout out anybody? Um, you know what I'll do? I will actually shout out my fiance's photography website. Um, my fiance, so some, some people see this as ironic. Because, uh, you know, photographer chose a blind guy. My fiance is a concert photographer. Uh, she takes photos. Uh, she she actually has her own kind of online magazine type thing. She has an entire team of female photographers that take photos of concerts all around the country. And uh, her website can be found at chicksinthepit.com. Now, is that C-H-K? C-H-I-C-K-S in the pit.com. Okay, yeah. Well, fantastic. How about yourself, Doc? You got any shout outs this week? Uh, yeah, so, uh, first and foremost, uh, Super Blind Man for being on the show. Hey, thank you. Um, and then I just want to give a shout out to, uh, my, my partner, Cortland. Um, cause we've been, she loves hiking. I've always loved hiking, but I've never had someone with like the urge to do it with me. And it's not something that I'd ever do by myself. Um, and we've gone on some pretty incredible hikes. The, uh last two weeks and it's just been it's just been a good time so thank you sweetheart uh tito how about yourself well i'd like to thank brandon for being here obviously um i'd like to remind people that we have um fight night this saturday april 29th at 10 p.m eastern standard time on tito santana hs on twitch where edelweiss and warshack are going to be going head-to-head in an off-meta battle um, they're going to draft like we did last time. There's going to be six different uh, content creators they can pick from, including, let's see if I remember everybody, McBannerface, Ridiculous Hat, Blister Guy, Wicked Good, uh, Ron Mexico, and um, Deck Tech. And they're going to provide 15 cards, and uh, the competitors will pick a, pick a person. So they'll say, I'll take uh, Blister Guy. They'll get his 15 cards in class. And then they're going to have to spend 15 minutes or so building a deck around the idea that was provided to them. And then they will do the best of five challenge. So really looking forward to that. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't say goodbye to the Angry Chicken because they had their last episode. And I'm sure if you listen to anything we do, you listen to Queen Concede or Blizzlet or any of those shows. So we all know that Hat has... Um, began to retire as a content creator because he's going to be working for Blizzard, and we're all very excited for that, but there's a, a, going to be a gaping hole in our heart in content creation, and we wish him the best and look forward to uh, seeing what he does next. So, and, and I, okay, so in the um, spirit of the fact that people know if you mention Hat on social media, 
Um, he usually responds within 20 seconds, and I'm sure that's not going to be the case anymore. <laughs> As I was yep. saying this, I got a DM from Hat. So <laughs> it, it, it was it was it was kind of funny. Um, he always knows. He yep. does always ever knows. present. But anyway, I think that's going to do it for us, everybody. I think we're toast. See ya. See ya. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Slide two brothers meet one another when they slide up to the mic. It's bread and butter with one another. Let's start up that recording light. <laughs>